What's up, NBA fans? We are officially halfway into the season. We are one day away from the start of the all-star break here for the 2021 NBA season. Uh, and we've got some midway point analysis to do here. We're going to break down our biggest surprises for the midway point this year, the biggest disappointments, which team should hit the panic button or stay on course as we get closer to the trade deadline. And of course, the hottest teams and teams that are sinking as well as the best and worst performances of this week all here on the M- on the Second Stringers NBA podcast. And of course, I got Sean, my co-host here. Sean, we are midway through the year of what has been a very interesting NBA season's NBA season with all the COVID injuries and the COVID time missing, uh, the weird protocols and the blatant tanking from some teams that at levels we've never seen before with the Cavaliers and and the Houston Rockets, the Rockets letting go of their only big man. Uh, Quick, quick reaction to this year so far, Sean. I think this has been a very interesting year, obviously. Um, as an NBA fan, it's been great. We've gotten some really good quality basketball, but it's also been really interesting to see how these teams are doing without any fans and still kind of just playing in empty arenas. And I don't know if this is part of that, but one of the interesting things I've noticed is that the East is just completely even. And I don't know if that's because of no fans or what, <laughs> Um, all the games just I don't know there's just no not as much pressure some of these younger teams don't feel as much pressure from the stands or whatever but there's only a couple games separating fourth from 10th right now and it's kind of absurd because you look at a guy like Julius Randle and this guy was, was named an all-star and that came with some scrutiny because the Knicks weren't a winning record team and then they became a winning record team and now it makes it even more of a case for Julius Randle. And the Celtics, who were almost out of the playoffs essentially a few games ago, have just won three in a row, and now they're back in the four seed. So there's just so much movement going on. In, in that conference specifically, they've historically been the most boring conference, and now they've, they've actually become the interesting conference. And the West is kind of just hashing out exactly how you'd expect they're starting to normalize a little bit you're seeing denver and dallas start to jump up there and teams like like memphis are starting to fall down a little bit yeah and the eastern conference close but but yeah it going back to the randall boston celtics thing it is a little crazy to think the celtics were out of the playoff picture just a week ago and mm-hmm. now they have two guys in the all-star game uh, <laughs> and Randall, you know, is in the all-star game, but there is that tag potentially of like, well, he's even on a winning team. He's on a winning team. I mean, they're <laughs> at 500, but they're the fifth seed in the East. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just sort of the weird Eastern conference uh, play out that we've been seeing here. But anyways, we'll, we'll jump into all that. But first quick shout out to Devin Booker, the first Suns player to win Player of the Month honor this month since Amari Stoudemire won it in March of 2010. Wow. And James Harden as well, who's just been baking into his new Brooklyn Nets team, who's been killing it. Also this month, averaging 25 and 10 assists. Uh, first player in franchise history to average those numbers in a month. Hmm. Uh, so shout out to those guys. You know, Devin Booker for a while looked like maybe he was headed on his way to like a slightly below average season, but he's really put it together the last couple of weeks. And I think that leads to the, per- to my first point here is when we talk about the biggest surprises this year, as we hit the halfway mark of the NBA season, for me, it's gotta be the Phoenix suns here, Sean 23 and 11, just beat the Lakers uh, two nights ago uh, to get that second seed in the Western conference. They got a top 10 offense, top 10 defense in this league, two all-stars now, for sure, officially, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And they got a bunch of guys who are actually playing really well, not just the the headline names like John, like Aiton, Booker, and Chris Paul. We got Miles Bridges or Mikel Bridges going 14 mm-hmm. points a game, a 42% shooting. You got Cam Johnson. You got scrappy guys like Jay Crowder, Etwan Moore, and even Dario Saric has kind of come in and given them some games and 
Maybe a little shout out to Frank the Tank as well. Frank no. Every now and then is giving them some, <laughs> giving them some flavor to help them get them. But the point being, I think is they're they, winning they, despite Frank the Tank playing minutes. <laughs> I think the point is being like they're twenty three and eleven because they're getting production night in and night out from just you know one of the many guys that they have on this roster just just stepping up and putting together a solid 10 to 10 to 15 points on the on the night just to get the get the w and this that brings the suns up to the second seed here you know and to me that's a surprise here i mean overall as well when you look at them, the one two it's utah and suns but more more importantly like we really thought the suns were only going to be you know a third tier team seven and eight most of the season but Second in the West, Sean. What are your, what are your yeah. thoughts, man? So I will say this is a big surprise. I'm not sure if it's the biggest surprise because we knew the Suns were a good team once we saw them in the bubble at full strength. Yeah. They went 8-0 there. We had a feeling that they'd carry that momentum into the regular season. Acquiring Chris Paul would help them with that. But I do agree that it is pretty big surprise that they got they are second in the West right now. And that they're beating the Lakers and they're beating the Clippers in the standings. And yeah, I, I mean, nothing but praise for what they've done. They just play such good, consistent basketball and they have a really deep team, like you mentioned. But if we're talking biggest surprise, it has to be the New York Knicks. <laughs> we're talking about Julius Randle earlier. This team is 500, obviously way worse than the Phoenix Suns at 23 and 11. But that's good yeah. enough for fifth in the East. <laughs> and the fact that the Knicks are 500 this far into the season, halfway through the season, is unprecedented. I remember when we were talking about this, like uh, maybe three weeks into the season, it was like the Knicks, the Magic, and the Cavs were like three of the top five teams in the division. And we're like, are these guys for real or, or is this pretenders? And I was pretty convinced that every single one of those was a pretender. <laughs> I'm pretty proud that two of those were spot on. But, man, I, I got to admit, I was wrong about these New York Knicks. These are fighters, man, and, and they are going to get a playoff spot. Maybe it's not they're fifth, but I think they'll definitely end up in the top eight. Maybe still have to play in to actually earn a real playoff spot, but I do think that they'll at least put themselves in position to do that. I mean, they have the league-leading defense right now. Did yeah, you know that? They do. They, I did know that. Yeah, <laughs> I found that out two weeks ago. No opponent. They hold their their number one in in terms of holding their opponents to the least amount of points in in the NBA right now. Yeah, which is like what? This doesn't even make sense. I don't even know how. But uh, Randall's a big part of that. All star and most improved candidate Julius Randall, just playing crazy basketball. And ever since they acquired Derrick Rose, it's even gotten better for them. He actually has the best net rating of all the Knicks since they acquired him yeah it's interesting though you know looking at the team stats for the new york knicks like just the fact that you know they're number one in terms of opponents points per game number one in defensive rating uh it's crazy though because none of these guys really stand out as dudes that i'm like oh yeah that's a third team second team all defense mm -hmm. like mm-hmm like, do these guys even make an all-defensive team? Yeah. At well, the end I'd of say the year? I bet it Mitchell like Robinson. Should, Mitchell but. Robinson, before he was hurt, I would say he he puts a, a, his name in the hat for for an eight all de, all defense team. But yeah, I mean, Nerlens Noel's come in and he's he's given them decent production. R.J. Barrett, I think I think his defense might be underrated a little bit too. I mean, Emmanuel quickly. I mean. Not on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, this rookie can shoot the lights out if they give him any yeah. more playing time. So then they're getting they're getting quality production from a lot of guys who you really didn't even look at a second time at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and also a small shout out to Alec Burks. You know, Alec yeah. Burks has kind of just came in here and just <laughs> just like renovated his career, found a home here, and has become what the Utah Jazz were hoping he would become for mm -hmm. them, coming off the bench and just scoring some points. But for the Knicks. He's been there, and yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, there's no, Julius Randle's game obviously stands out, but out of that, outside of that, like none of the again, like none of these guys, I think, jump out to me as like first or second team all defense. But yet they're they're leading the league, and and they're they're punching away and and getting some wins out of out of this this just like <laughs> scrappy roster that they have. And I think the biggest X factor here is they have cap space. Like oh, lots can, of it. A boatload yeah. of it. <laughs> so they can realistically, 
they have the margin of error, like that cap space to go after a guy like Victor Odalipo or an Andre Lonzo? Drummond, which we've talked about. <laughs> Lonzo, yeah. Uh, so they they're they're big players right now in the next few weeks in terms of the trade deadline. So it's interesting to see where what they'll do with that. Um, but just really quickly on the Suns' point, Sean, I just kind of want to hear you apologize to the Phoenix Suns. Oh, because what? <laughs> Wait, what? I already apologized because, to the Knicks. I need to apologize to the Suns too? <laughs> because I remember when this Chris Paul trade went down, you so emphatically thought that, that <laughs> no way would that make this team jump up into second or first tier. You you were so convinced they were going oh, to be okay. a seven and eight seed. Let, let's, okay. <laughs> I'm not convinced that they've jumped a tier. <laughs> I'll say that. I think that they have played really well up to this point, but I don't think that they're better than the Lakers or Clippers or the Jazz even for that matter. And I still think the Denver Nuggets are better than the Phoenix Suns, I, regardless of record up to this point. I'm not ready to to give my apology to Phoenix quite yet. I already <laughs> knew they'd be a playoff team. I know that's what they're about right now is, is being in the regular season and winning all these games. But, I mean... You got teams like the Lakers who are wrestling LeBron. You got Kawhi who got quote unquote back spasms. And I just, I'm not fully convinced that this Suns team has jumped up into that upper echelon yet. So I'm, I'm going to wait this one out. I'm going to wait. I'm not apologizing yet. My apology will be even more deep later on in the season if I'm proven wrong, but I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I wanted to bring that up, see how you would react. Cause I still have your, this image of you just emphatically being so not, uh, unconvinced of the Chris Paul trade that it would be a big needle mover for this franchise. No, but it's fair. he's playing yeah, well. We're... He is playing well. I'll say they like, they're so far proving me wrong, but there's still a lot of games to be played. Yeah, that that's fair. We're midway point. We got an injured Lakers. Denver Nuggets still need to maybe put it together a little bit better. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Just a quick detour from the Knicks, but back <laughs> to the Knicks. I think to 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 close it off, like you you know, seeing where the Eastern Conference is right now, like yeah, the Knicks to me look like they they I think they have uh they have a playoff spot baked in in my eyes. Like I think it's just a matter of whether they'll be anywhere between. I'm even going to give them a little bit of credit and say it's going to be anywhere between the 7th to 5th seed. Wow. So you think it's a better chance that they don't have to play in for their spot? Yeah, I don't okay. think they're going to end up being in that play-in <sighs> play tournament. That's just so difficult for me because, I mean, looking at the standings right now, who's behind them? Miami and Toronto creeping up. And yeah. they, they've they been creeping up for a while now. And, I mean, the Knicks have... I mean, held everyone off, really. I mean, they've been seven, seven out of the last 10 games they've won, which is better than either Miami or Toronto, but how long can that last, really? Like, when Jimmy Butler and Bam are healthy, like, Miami's going to go on a huge winning streak. I just know it. And Toronto, I mean, uh, maybe they take a fall. I mean, how long this COVID stuff lasts with Siakam and some of their other players? Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to cut it close, but I would be very uncomfortable still if I was the Knicks because I'm, I'm trying to stay in one of those toxic spots as long as I can. Yeah, you don't want to end up in a playing game with the Hornets. I mean, I still think they're better than the Hornets, but you know the Pacers are dangerous. Miami's dangerous. Raptors are dangerous as well. But I, I think in the, the Knicks, I think Randall's there. I think the defense is there. I think this team's showing some grit. I think they're going to hold on. Because it's basically even right now, right? Like, yeah. They're, they're, these teams are all only half a game behind New York. Chicago and Indiana are only a game behind New York. It's just ridiculous. Like from five, five through ten is only separated by one game right now. That's unheard of. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm fully in on the Julius. I'm, you know, I was gonna buy a Julius Randall jersey today. And guess what? It's all sold out. Oh it's all my sold gosh, out. you, you deserve that jersey too. You've been on the Julius Randall bandwagon long before this season. <laughs> yeah it's incredible but uh yeah we'll, we'll see hopefully hope to be continued whether the knicks hold on to that playoff spot and whether i end up getting a randall jersey once they come back in stock yeah, i'll be on i'll be on the ever. lookout for you i'll help you out <laughs> <laughs> for sure but you know let's flip it on to the other side biggest disappointment um 
you know, Sean, I didn't see you put a point here, but I'm I, curious to I hear. I agree completely with this one. That's why. <laughs> yeah, this has been mine, and oh, I also hate to say this, but because I'm a big Luca fan, but Luca's arrival as MVP and best player of the league, like in just just in general, carrying the Dallas Mavericks has been really disappointing. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks started off the boat pretty rough. Pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Like Luca admittedly was out of shape, <laughs> and Porzingis yeah. gets hurt. Uh, you got a bunch of other guys coming in and out of the lineup. Um, luckily, they've had some bench dudes come through. Like Jalen Brunson has come through a couple times. Tim Hardaway seems to find a shot, but Luca has just his scoring averages are down. He had a really rough uh, December and January. February seems to have got him better, but this is a dude that finished fourth in MVP voting last year. Uh, really came out of the gate showing, looking like he's going to be the best player in the game, complete arsenal. Um, but this Dallas Mavericks team started their first 21 games under 500 and were really towards the bottom of the league. But looks like they're finally getting there this week. Um, I mean, just 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 to give you a hint into just how bad Luca was struggling, he was hmm. shooting 27% through the first 15 games of the year. Oh. But in the last 16, he's managed to get it back up to 41%. His three-point shooting percentage, that is, on seven and a half attempts a That's night. That's very but, good. That's very good, by the way. Yeah, so <laughs> so he's, climb, he's climbing up the ladder. I mean, recently, NBA.com put, put him at seventh in their power rankings for MVP. But hmm. again, this is a guy we thought was going to be consistently one and two in those power rankings and basically what Jokic is doing is what we thought Luca was going to be doing yeah I mean this yeah this is a huge disappointment on, on my behalf too because I did predict he was going to win MVP this year I thought we were going to see that you know Michael Jordan-esque year three transcendence into just being this otherworldly player and he came out and he looked like he did as a rookie <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. he regressed but I mean we are starting to see it now it's probably too late though I mean when Jokic and Embiid have been doing what they've been doing all year showing no signs of slowing down there's no way Doncic can catch up to them and maybe he can he'll, he'll probably creep up into the top five if he continues what he's doing but like he's not passing either of those guys or LeBron in those rankings so I think top five is still possible and I mean, it is encouraging that he has picked it up quite a bit. I mean, forty-two percent three-point shooting is elite. Let, mm-hmm. Let's not con- let, let, that's a big concern in Luca's game. Uh, he has historically not been that efficient of a shooter, but he's been very good in the clutch. Uh, now he's he's hitting them pretty well. And if he can continue this for the second half of the season, I mean, the the Mavericks have won eight of the last ten games too. To your point, like February has been really good for the Mavericks, and they they've actually crawled their way up to the eighth seed somehow now. Like kind of like I was saying, like the standings are really starting to normalize in the Western Conference. You're not really seeing any surprises outside of Phoenix being higher than you'd expect. Everything yeah. else kind of looks like where it should be. I guess the Spurs. We thought the Spurs were going to yeah. drop off this year. <laughs> They're killing it. Yeah, I, I thought the Spurs were not going to make the playoffs. I saw this tweet that said three things are guaranteed. It's like taxes. <laughs> oh, I forgot what the second one was. Well, death, taxi- death taxes, yeah, death and, taxes, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and the Spurs being Spurs. competitive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There it is. There it is. There's the there's the guarantee. Uh, but to the point of the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, they're in the eight seed now with the Warriors losing, just losing to Portland, and and mm-hmm. ironically enough, Dallas winning tonight without Luca. But still, right. the point being is like Luca's not. He he's out of contention. I think even even if his numbers, I think go pretty high. I just don't think the Dallas Mavericks have enough to climb up into the second tier area for, of the NBA standings, at least on the Western Conference. I think mm-hmm. the seventh or eighth seed is in the cards for them. And Porzingis, yeah. man, that guy just needs to get healthy and Dallas Mavericks need to figure out some way to get some consistent consistency out of the other out of the other folks on the team. But yeah. um well, it's up yeah, to Luca. Yeah, he right. has to make yeah. them that's like what the MVP does. It's like the Lakers would be terrible without LeBron James. They'd be as good as the Sacramento Kings because they almost case they, in point they, tonight. Yeah, yeah, case in point tonight, they were in a very close, almost equally matched battle against the full strength Sacramento Kings without LeBron or AD. Just a little yeah. knock on the Kings, of course. But you know, Luca has to make his teammates better, and I mean, maybe part of it is roster construction, right? Like losing Seth Curry, I think hurt that team way more than what it looks like on the surface. Josh Richardson mm-hmm. is not that good. Unfortunately, when he was on the heat, he looked like he was going to be a great player, but he's regressed a ton. They need that guy that can just hit the three point shot 
when Luca's doing all his business and just kicks it out to someone. He needs to rely on that person, and they don't have that anymore, really. Like, there's no knockdown shooters on that roster anymore. Seth Curry was that guy. So, yeah, maybe that was just kind of a running mate that Luca lost that really took a big piece out of his game that he hasn't figured out how to adapt to yet. But uh, maybe they can make a move at the trade deadline to rectify that. Yeah, at the very least, figure out some way to give him a decent pick-and-roll partner as well, like a good finisher. I mean, Porzingis mm-hmm. could definitely be the pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop partner that he needs, yeah. but the man just needs to get healthy. And what feels yeah, like as soon as he, he gets rid of him, he has to lose out. Um, I mean, there's rumors that he might be in play in terms of the, in terms of a trade, but mm. I'm just not really sure there's uh, anybody who would take him and what they and get I, in I don't return know how much I better. buy that. Yeah, I don't really buy it. Mark Cuban is pretty faithful to his players you know i mean we saw it with right. dirk obviously and and they brought in Porzingis with the intention of making him a franchise player i don't think they're going to give up on him that easily maybe cousins is a possibility who knows Ooh, i mean man cousins actually uh-huh. had some decent games before they waved him someone's got to yeah, pick this did. guy up oh what yeah. nets why don't the nets just pick him up you know like what do you got to yeah, lose it, you're already like winning a billion games in a row exactly i think so I think uh, an honorable mention here as well in terms of biggest disappointments. Um, I'm going to say the Houston Rockets, man. I, yeah, I had, I, yeah, mean... <laughs> I, had, I was really hopeful Christian Wood was going to really, and he had, he did come he out has, of the gates and surprise folks, but yeah. it's just this whole February has just kind of really nosedived that well, there franchise. Hasn't been, there hasn't been no Christian Wood to, to make it better. Yeah, exactly. But now stay the course or panic. You know, these teams aren't quite the, big disappointments but you know there's there's some thinking that could happen and the first one is the denver nuggets 20 and 15 seventh in the west do we stay the course or do they hit the panic button here sean you know this is a team that has the current leading candidate of the mvp mm-hmm. Jokic, and arguably you know there's lebron in second and joel Embiid. actually joel Embiid, i guess is the leading candidate Jokic is there but anyways the point being is Jokic has been playing some ridiculous basketball <laughs> since the start of the year. And the Nuggets are only seventh in the West. Jamal Murray struggled out of the gates. Michael Porter Jr. in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, no Jeremy Grant having to rely on other dudes. But this is a team that we thought was going to be right there. Maybe I thought they'd be winning the regular season. I thought they'd definitely dominate just the regular season and walk away with that number one seed. But uh, they, they're, they're struggling. Fourth in offensive rating top five and three point and two point shooting but they're just bottom half in allowed opponent field goal percentage uh bottom half in terms of defensive rating this is a team that just lets people score as much as they want on on them yeah well so here's the interesting thing with denver is that they have a very elite offense like you're saying but their point differential on the year is actually very good they have a plus 5.1 point differential from points for and points against which rivals what the lakers have done so far this year so when they win they win big and when they lose it's not by very much so it's that that number to me does indicate the possible theory that this is all just a fluke and that it's going to turn around for the denver nuggets like you mentioned murray he has looked terrible to start the season i mean this is a guy that was a second round pick in fantasy basketball for for our league and probably for a lot of leagues who thought this guy was going to become a an all-star perennial all-star player and he regressed even a little bit from what we saw while donovan mitchell kind of i guess you could call the rival in a way donovan mitchell has really picked his game up jamal leaving jamal murray in the dust but he has started to play better recently and that's why the nuggets have have kind of righted the ship a bit so in my mind you stay the course and you, you play out the rest of the season i mean michael porter jr you have to rely on him way more than in, in previous years uh, I mean, they, they lost a few key pieces with like Tory Craig, uh, Paul Millsap's just a, another year older, not really part of that rotation, been injured. I'd stay the course if I'm the Nuggets. I'm not concerned. You have the MVP leading candidate in Jokic, who's playing out of his mind right now. So that gives you a shot against anybody in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Stay on the course. I think these are the chess pieces you want this year and also next year like i mean if in terms of like looking for a trade the guys that bring value is probably a porter jr or 
crazy Paul Pierce talking about trading Jamal Murray. That is crazy. Those are not two pieces <laughs> I want to move. I mean, Jamal Murray's having a rough year, but you already locked him up for a couple more years. Yeah, you're going to have him young. for his whole prime. What are you going to get better yeah. than him? Are you kidding me, Paul Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, again, yeah, I think this was an easy one for both of us to stay the course. This is a diff- this is a this, this is, is a little more weather. difficult. Yeah, the Raptors. Yeah, the Toronto Raptors, a <laughs> gritty team. You know, right now, uh, they're sitting in playoff position, barely after climbing back from deep in, from the whales. <laughs> uh, this is a team that forces opponents into the second most turnover rate in the league, uh, close to top ten and allowed opponent field goal percentage. They're a top defense in terms. They're in top fifty percent of the deep and of the league. The problem is, is that they shoot just as bad as mm. the as their opponents when they play mm-hmm. them. So, this is a team that just is struggling to 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 score the ball, struggling to find offensive rhythm. Uh, Siakam looks like he's kind of regressed a little bit. They have fa- they found some good pieces though in Chris Boucher, uh, Norman Powell is taking a step forward. OJ Anobi is a little more healthy. Um, and also looked a lot better, but the Aaron Baines experiment has totally failed. Um, Kyle Lowry's, you know, still doing his thing. Fred Van Fleet is there. It seems like this team should be a lot better, but it's not really clicking as well. And, you know, you got Kyle Lowry on an expiring contract. You got Norman Powell, who has an option next for next year. You, you, you've committed to OG Anobi. You've committed to Siakam Big. So there's pieces to move and pieces that are going to be so difficult to move. So, what do we do here? Do you hit the panic mm. button as the Raptors and and figure out a way to 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 move beyond you know being a hovering eight seed, <laughs> or do you stay the course here and hope that your your veterans can figure it out? Ah, uh, this is a very tough one. Is 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 the panic button trading Lowry and and Norman? Yeah. is that that's the panic button? Either one of the two, <sighs> or packaging both of them for for something. Something draft picks probably. Uh, that's really hard. The Raptors, yeah, they, Ibaka and Gasol just meant way more to this team than we first thought, huh? And I mean, right. they're, they're playing in Tampa Bay, let's not forget. Like, that's an external influence that you can't really control, and it's led to them having the same record on their quote-unquote home court as their away record. They're, they're basically mm-hmm. identical there. So... I think that plays a part of it too. If they had, if they were playing in Toronto, being able to sleep in their own beds, I would imagine that this team is much better than what they are right now. Maybe even by a few games, which honestly in the East, that might vault them all the way up to the four seed. And we're not even having this conversation, but the fact of the matter is that's how this year is going to play out. You don't have Kyle Lowry next year, unless you want to sign him to another big deal. Uh, when things will return more to a normal state, um, fingers crossed, obviously. So for this year, if you don't think you can compete, I think you do have to hit the panic button, and you got to see what you can get for Lowry. If if you don't think that you can beat the Nets, the Sixers, even even the Celtics, if if you don't think you can beat either, any of those teams, let alone the Bucks, then I think you got to start building again. Um, build around you can and your team's still young too you can build around siakam you have van fleet on a long contract you have young guys like boucher and og ananobi i don't think lowry and norman need to be cornerstones of this franchise um i think van fleet could take those keys from lowry as far as the guard position goes i think siakam can be a good franchise piece too um they're just not ready yet so i do think you kind of hit the panic button a little bit and call it a wrap maybe make the playoffs still honestly but you know, as a playing as a playing team, more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, if you can keep Powell, then then that's great, and see if you can work out a value deal heading into the off season. But I don't Powell think he's Lowry gonna might, take a value deal. <laughs> he might not, but see if you can work something out. But Kyle Lowry, I mean, I think there's some teams that still would want a guy like him. Oh, definitely. So, so I think shop him around and and see what you can get. I, I'm not sure. The thing is, like, I feel like there could be a deal that we that may not seem obvious to us right now, but it probably will be if if they shopped him around. Like, I'm not sure if Kyle <laughs> Lowry for Drummond is an answer here, um, but do you think there, that there's um, got to be something? Do you think the Raptors would take Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard? 
<laughs> I don't think so. Damn it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can maybe you can get like Kyle Lowry for for Kevin Love or or something like that. Uh, I don't know. And I'm not even sure if that's a the right deal, but I I think at the very least you gotta hit the you don't want button and, 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 and yeah and just take Wait. a take take a look take some phone calls and and see what you can get for 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 I bet the magic would be Lowry. willing to give you a pick and maybe a, a nice young player for Lowry they need desperate yeah. help at point guard yeah could you get Aaron Gordon in a pick for Kyle Lowry yeah um, if you wanted I bet you could and I guess yeah I guess it depends on the magic situation if they still think that they can make the play in game. If with a Lowry Vucevic combo, that could be fun. Yeah, I mean, in Eastern Conference like this, yeah, I mean, regardless, it'd still be a way better team than anything they've put together in the last five years. Like, especially yeah. that guard position, they could really use an actual point guard taking control of that team. So, yeah, I mean, that that that's a potential partner. Uh, but I think we're in agreement here is like we hit the panic button for for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, here's another. Here's another Eastern Conference one for you. The Indiana Pacers. Mm, uh, that's another tough this, one. <laughs> yeah, the Indiana Pacers were one of my favorite teams heading into this uh, year. I was like, man, this, these guys are going to surprise some people. But they surprised me a little bit the other way. Like, the last few weeks have been rough for this team. Four and six over the last ten. And now they're officially in the ninth seed at 16 and 18. They got Sabonis, who just got you know put into the All-Star game, though. However, they've only won three out of their 12 games in February, mm-hmm. and there's no clear sign of when TJ Warren or Carice LeVert are coming back. I mean, they're in that play-in tournament, so that gives them a glimmer of hope. But, I mean, do you just panic here and just get as much value as you can at, with some of these pieces like that you have and just call it call it a year and see what you can do next year? Uh, I don't like. I guess, who are the tradable pieces? Like, Are we talking about like Miles Turner? Yeah, like a Miles Turner. Miles Turner. I mean, yeah, he's been having a career year, but for some reason, I don't feel like they like Miles Turner as much as maybe they should. He he's a defensive player of the year candidate in my mind. He's been playing really well, and I I think if you're looking at this before the whole Levert ordeal and before TJ Warren got hurt, you're like, wow, Miles Turner is a part of our future. He's been playing really well, so. But yeah, maybe you just have to to focus more on uh, who you can, what you can build around Brogdon and Sabonis and and Lavert. Um, at the end of the day, I, I I think you should try to shop Turner. I I don't think they they should try to keep him if if the, the, this year is going to play out the way it is. It's just unfortunate, you know. Like like you said, we expected big things from the Pacers, and if they stayed healthy, they'd probably be where we expect them to be. But I'd I'd hit the panic button if I was them. Yeah, just just try to see if you can come back a little bit more loaded. I mean, TJ Warren and Chris Levert's injuries are kind of like a little rough too, just uh, abnormal yeah, stuff. But right. who knows? Maybe TJ McConnell has also just ex- exuberatingly <laughs> increased his trade value after going yeah. through a, a ridiculous triple double tonight. Oh, yeah, or, that's that's a feature in our best performances this week for sure. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, exactly. Th- we should. Last this guy one. does need some playing time, by the way. Let's get T.J. McConnell some more playing time. I I have been praising T.J. McConnell for years now. <laughs> yeah, he's, I know. He's one of the, my, I don't know if the <laughs> Lakers are going to be able to get him for cheap anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I love T.J. McConnell's one of my favorite players just because he is <laughs> such a solid in his role type of dude, and he does things <laughs> like that. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Last team though, Miami Heat, seven seed. Barely hanging on to, the, on to that seventh seed right now. Bam out of bio and Jimmy Butler coming in and out of the lineup. Any reason to panic for this team or just stay the course? I'm going to say stay the course. The injuries, especially to Jimmy Butler, have been brutal. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've had almost every player in their lineup go in and out with injury. Like Bam out of bio was out at the beginning of the year. Jimmy Butler, I feel like he's only played like half of the year. Tyler Harrow's been out a few games here and there. Dragic wasn't playing at the beginning of the year. They need to just get to the playoffs healthy because this team is still the same exact team that they were last year that made it to the NBA Finals. So I have no reason to panic except for that they might need to hire a new training staff because this one clearly (laughs) isn't getting the job done. (laughs) These guys keep getting hurt. Um, other than that, they yeah, as long as they're healthy in the last month of the year, they're able to like get a rhythm and play together and build that chemistry back again that they're so well known for in, in the playoff run last year, they're gonna be just fine. 
Yeah, on that point, Jimmy Butler has played 21 games. Goran Dragic has only played 21 games. Tyler Harrell, 24 games. Like mm-hmm. the the and Avery, they just lost Avery Bradley. Yeah, Avery guy Bradley. Who's coming yeah. off the bench, three to four weeks. Like Kendrick Nunn has been there, and he's been out as well. Um, and you know he's not always playing to his best, but yeah, it seems like the only dude that's really been most <laughs> there is Duncan Robinson. <laughs> but outside of that, the whole core has just been in and out of the lineup. Um, for what it's worth, Miles Leonard, I know he's one of your favorite players, Sean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also Next. out for the year. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm calling it stay the course as well. This team still top 10 defense in, in the league. Uh, offensive rating could use a lot of work. But I think once Jimmy Butler is able to get consistent, he'll, he'll definitely make this team a lot better. Let's be real. Myers Leonard has always just been a cheerleader on this team. So him being injured really doesn't affect his value. He's just been a great team locker room guy. That's all you need from him. He's like Udonis Haslam. Miami Heat just has a heart for those guys. And the only image I have is Miles Leonard just hitting those back-to-back threes against the the Lakers in the little (laughs) bit of time that he played in the finals at. I was like, what is going on here? Get this man (laughs) off the court. Myers Leonard just owning you guys. Yeah. But anyways, let's just let's just sneak in. Let's just talk about the hot teams of this week. We got the Brooklyn Nets winning 10 of the last 11 games, you know, back to the point James Harden taking home player of the month, the Eastern Conference player of the month, and this is a this is a big deal. This is a big reason why the dude's just finding his groove. Um couple 30-point triple doubles with zero turnovers. Uh Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Joe Harris also giving mm-hmm. them points off the bench like uh, this Nets team is just kind of, it's just been a surprise, you know? They've really put it together, all without yeah. Kevin Durant in the lineup. Yeah, I think that's the most surprising. I mean, I don't know. It's like you already have two superstars, right? Like Irving and Harden. Yeah. And it's like KD hasn't even really been there for most of these games in this win streak that they, they're on right now because Harden's just been otherworldly. Even kind of inserting himself into the MVP conversation which is very hard to do when you're on a team of three superstars. Um, but I want to bring up the unsung hero of all, all these guys, all the superstars, Joe Harris on the big contract. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> Bruce Brown, my dude. Bruce Brown is the glue that's holding this whole operation together. He is shooting a blistering 59% from the floor on the season. It's been even better in recent months. And he's actually been playing small ball center for them in a lot of lineups. And I don't know if you've seen this, dude. If you've watched the games, he is a tank. His biceps are freaking ginormous. I don't know if you've seen it. I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, oh, that's Bruce Brown. This guy's freaking ripped. It is. It is impressive. He was like, uh, it's like all the all the hype that Lou Dort was getting, right? Lou Dort was getting yeah. hyped as like this just huge dude who's like six foot four, six foot five. Bruce Brown is like almost literally the same build as Lou Dort, uh, but he's a better shooter. And he's just, he's been getting 20 plus point games for them with Harden and Irving in the lineup. And obviously, when KD comes back, he's going to get relegated a little bit, but he just does what this team needs. Yeah, a guy like Bruce Brown, I guess he he sounds like, and I I have seen a couple games, he seems like he is the young athletic version of. A PJ Tucker, the next, mm, the the yeah. resurrection. If PJ Tucker were younger, he'd be Bruce Brown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always great to have a guy like that. Just your Trump, just like you know, your Trump card, uh, ready to flash it out. Especially once it comes down to playoff time. But yeah, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets have just been finding real. I mean, we knew that the 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 lineup, but as soon as one of the big three guys was out, it was going to be a little scary for the Nets, considering the guys they had on the roster. But mm-hmm. Finding a guy like Bruce Brown and right. I mean, even DeAndre Jordan's been giving them decent minutes. Uh, Jeff Green as well. Like mm-hmm. this team seems to just be doing fine. And, yeah. and they're right now, they've been in the spot that we all thought was going to be their worst nightmare for the last few weeks. And they've been managing better than fine. They've won. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. I think a big thing too um, that to mention is that Kyrie is taking that back, that step back from being the primary ball handler, the focal point, allowing Harden to be that ultimate playmaker and the guy with the ball on most possessions, which I think Kyrie thrives in that role, kind of like the LeBron 
to Irving role is now like hardened to Kyrie and it'll be KD to Kyrie as well. He just does so much better when he doesn't have to be the center of attention. And that's what's helping this team win so much. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I think James Harden, obviously, like we see him more as the two guard, the scoring champ. But he's also a great playmaker. He, Amazing. He yeah. really, yeah, he knows where to put the ball and he has that vision. I think he's significantly better as a as a as a point guard than than Kyrie Irving. Not to say Kyrie Irving isn't a great player. Dude, dude can score buckets, but mm-hmm. I think that dynamic works better in that way. Yeah, it's just it's gonna come so easy for Kyrie, especially when KD's back and he's third on the team. He's your third option. You have to guard Kyrie's your third option, man. It's unfair. Yeah, it, this is going to be exciting to to watch once they're at full strength. But how about the Boston Celtics, man? We we actually set off a segment to talk about whether we should <laughs> panic about this team or whether it's the end of the Boston era. But they're they're on a three game winning streak, and a lot of it has to do, I think, with the way Kemba Walker has just looked a lot better the last couple of weeks, uh, and they've gotten some convincing wins against you know against a, against a couple good teams. Um, actually the Clippers without Kawhi they beat, but anyways, I mean, <laughs> three game winning streak with the way this Eastern conference is shaking out right now. Again, that's enough to bring them back into the fourth seed and bring, put them right there in that fold in terms of like potentially getting home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And realistically, that's where Boston should be is the four seed. And I, I don't think any of us expected them to be this far behind the top three teams in the East right now, but that's, that's kind of where they're going to be. And it just kind of goes to show that even though you have Walker and you have Tatum and you have Brown, Brown who's playing at an all-star level, by the way, and made the all-star team, it's not enough. It, they just don't have the same pieces that they've had in the past, that depth to really like get them over into that tier one status. I mean, they've made the, the Eastern Conference Finals, what, three of the last four years? Mm-hmm. And I just do not see that being possible for this team right now. And a big part of that is Jason Tatum, his COVID, his struggle with COVID after he he got infected with coronavirus, he has not looked like the same player. He's been so inefficient, very inconsistent on a lot of the nights over the over the last few months, where he he's shooting way below fifty percent, um, turning the ball over haphazardly. Um, not really being that scorer that we've known him to be, that guy that can just get whatever basket he wants. Like Kemba and Brown have looked more impressive than Tatum in a lot of games, and that's not how it should be. Yeah, I think this revelation of Kemba, because when he came back from that injury, he looked rough out there. And I think this revelation that he's having right now is really helping them. And they're probably a team who is really glad that they're going into an all-star break right now and maybe hit the reset (laughs) a little bit. See if they can get Marcus Smart back into the lineup and, and see if that can help. That's big, and, yeah. Man, somebody needs to just call up Danny Ainge and and make this Drummond <laughs> trade happen already. It just seems <laughs> <Thank> like <laughs> seems like it's just lined up too perfectly for them uh, to not yeah, do it's it. Like, Who knows? Come on, man. You're playing Tristan Thompson so many minutes. You're not winning. Just stop yeah. it, man. Just stop it. Yeah, exactly. And and to that point as well, some of those free agent signings I think we're hoping played out a little bit better. Like Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague and Jeff Teague. I don't even think he's in the rotation really. Yeah. I mean, uh, he plays when like one of the other guys are hurt, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like none of these free agent signings have really played out. I mean, they weren't hope they were, I'm, they weren't game changers, but at least like be in the rotation. And Tristan Thompson seems to only be in the rotation just out of sheer necessity right now. Yeah. I, and they're playing a that weird lineup where they're playing Thompson. They're starting Thompson and Tice. It's like, yeah. why are you starting two centers? Like, just start Tatum at the four. I, I, I mean, I, I guess this is just the best they can think of since Marcus Smart is hurt. Mm-hmm. There's, there's got to be something else you could switch it to because it's obviously not working. Yeah, I think so. Um, but switching gears here to sinking teams, this is this one's a long time coming. <laughs> the Houston Rockets <laughs> it wasn't even worth 11 mentioning for a while, yeah. but this is absurd. Yeah, 11 in a row. I mean, we could only ignore it for so much. Like, this is total <laughs> total collapse here. The Houston Rockets, one of those teams that I, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I don't understand how they, they can't be fined by the league for putting <laughs> what they put together out there for, for Rockets fans, for just NBA fans. Like, mm. for John Wall and Victor Odalipo's sanity as well. Just a terrible roster. And DeMarcus Cousins was putting together a couple good games. And 
They just <laughs> let the man walk him. away. <laughs> yeah, they just waved him for nothing. Um, but anyways, two 30-point performances from Victor and Wall tonight, and it still wasn't enough for them to get a W. They were going up against the streak. Nets. Come on. No, it's not it's, yeah, it, was a, it was rough, but, I mean, they even had that awful game against the Cleveland Cavaliers where – Mm-hmm. Uh, none of nobody could buy a bucket. <laughs> nobody in the lineup. But then they lose I mean, to the Grizzlies by like fifty points the other night too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 15, 50 <laughs> points. I mean, luckily, like before Victor was there, the game, the lineup was looking even worse. But uh, eleven in a row. Who knows how much longer this can go on? But the 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 light at the end of the tunnel is Christian Wood potentially mm-hmm. coming back. He should be back after the All Star break. But the Houston Rockets really falling down there and. Just to my realization is that their pick this year is go- is top four protected, so we might just see the ultimate tank job <laughs> that the Rockets will continue to implement here in the next in the next couple months. Oh, it's so sad because I want to see this team succeed. I want to see Christian Wood come back and be that most improved player that we saw him be for the first twenty five games or whatever have they won a they haven't won a single game without Christian Wood have they yeah no yeah you yeah eleven games have all been the games he's game. missed that should that should raise him up in the MVP rankings in my opinion <laughs> this one this <laughs> team was above five hundred when Christian Wood was playing for them yeah that they, that is they insane were in playoff position yeah yeah they were at least a five hundred team when and he when he was playing and they now losing eleven in a row without him. It's just and like obviously Odalipo missed some here and there, Wall missed some here and there. You gotta win one of these games, man. Like this is just sad for for two guys who have been all stars in the past and really shouldn't be past their primes yet. Like these guys gotta get it together and win a game. This is just ridiculous. Yeah, the energy's not good in Houston. Um, but how about the Lakers losing seven of the last ten? Um, you know, it's tough to say to project it that the Lakers would have been here, but once AD went down, you know, it, it it's understandable to go on a streak like this, but um, this is just what it is. You know, when you put all the eggs in the basket between two guys, especially the Lakers after losing JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard, two big guys that they relied on to anchor that defense, it, it's, it's just not looking good right now. Montrezl Harrell is just... He's there, and sometimes he's not there. I mean, he didn't. He completely was not played in the uh, in the in the second half of that other game against the Suns. Um, I mean, the Lakers even brought in Damian Jones, uh, a free agent, to hopefully hold (laughs) down the center for them. And I mean, Laker fans were hyping him up, but I'm not sure he's really (laughs) there to help us out. We barely got this win against the the Kings, but no, you lost against the Kings. Oh, lost, yeah. Lost against the Kings. We were there for we were there for most of the game, but yeah, it's a it's it's a, it's a rough showing for the Lake Show right now. Yeah, I think this this is quite a revelation that I'm seeing right now with Montrez Harrell. Like, was last year just were the stats that he was putting up and 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 the type of game that he's putting up, like all the passion, was that masking the negative aspects of his game? To the point where I didn't really fully understand why this guy was getting a, a two million or a two year nineteen million dollar contract. I thought he was worth so much more than this, but it just seems like the defense is able to abuse when Harold's on the court way more than I expected, um, and that kind of shows in that the coaching staff really has no faith in him because his minutes have actually decreased since AD went out. Like they they've stuck with Marcus Gasol. They brought in Damian Jones to get a few scrap minutes in. And that is very telling that they do not trust Harrell in the clutch. And they are probably going to have to make a move in the buyout market to, to see what they can get. Um, because if they're not willing to, to play Harrell at, at that center position at the end of the game, then they're going to have to find another option because they don't really have one at this point. Um, and then there's been other injuries too, which which make this losing streak hurt a little less. Because Schroeder was out for a little bit. Um, Kuzma missed two uh, two games ago, and then LeBron missed today, which they would have easily clobbered the Kings if they had LeBron. Um, but yeah, he he's sat out the back to back, so it's not all uh, sunshines and roses for Laker fans anymore. Dropping to the fourth seed, but I'm not too worried. I think they're just being very cautious with AD. They know they know they're gonna get one of the top spots in the West. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. I think the Montrezl Harrell point is something to continue to look at. Uh, so 
I mean, that was one of the reasons that that was always one of the the big criticisms against Harold is whether or not he could be somebody you could actually trust defensively in the clutch, especially when it comes down to playoff time. And this this has been a wake up call here for the Lakers. Maybe we should have tried to keep Dwight Howard or go uh, after. Somebody I think they somewhere. tried to. He betrayed you yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, switching gears here, though, for best performances of the week. P.J. Washington, 15 for 22, 5 for 8 from 3, 42 points, career high, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and 2 blocks, of course, in the win against the Sacramento Kings. Take your turn on career highs against a team like the Kings. (laughs) That's that's what you do. How does Luke Walton still have a job? Can we we ask Uh, that right now? Like, this is absurd. Like, unless they are fine tanking this year, too. Like, I'm pretty sure that they wanted to compete this year. It's like you just yeah. signed De'Aaron Fox to a max deal. You signed Buddy Heald to a deal you probably shouldn't have. Still paying Harrison Barnes all that money. It's like, at what point are you competing? You know? Like, <laughs> if not now, then when? I just don't get it. You gotta fire Luke Walton. He sucks. He almost lost to a LeBron-less, AD-less Lakers on, a, on their home court with a full-strength team. This is absurd. Like, how does this guy still have a job? But anyway, back to PJ Washington. <laughs> this was amazing performance for him. Um, definitely benefited from Cody Zeller being out, um, playing more of that kind of like smallish center type of role. And man, no one could guard him. He was hitting threes. He, he was making baskets from all over the floor, making plays on both sides of the floor. Um, he, this guy has a lot of promise, but it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of usage now with LaMelo coming in, Hayward coming back from injury. Um, Devontae Graham going to come back from injury eventually. Um, it's going to be hard for PJ Washington to, to put up more performances like this. Yeah, this team is just is such an interesting team. They just feel like they just kind of shuffle through big performances from random guys, <laughs> whether it's Devontae, LaMelo, Miles Bridges has crazy, yeah. has, has, a, has had Monk. a couple. <laughs> yeah, Malik Monk as well. Terry, it's like Terry yeah, went on a tear Terry, for a yeah. week back he, there. He had a 30 point game today, too. Yeah, like they just have it just seems like they just got to they they've got talent on this roster. They just need mm-hmm. to figure out who they need to keep and what pieces maybe they can move to to try to fill in some of the gaps to really turn the corner here as a team together cuz they're still 17 and 18. So I think they still got some work, but PJ Washington is a bright spot there for this franchise. Yeah. Uh, I really think that he should be part of their future by the way. I, this guy is very talented, and if anything, they should move away from Cody Zeller and, and start this guy at center. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I'm in agreement with you there. Um, how about Nikola Jokic? I'm <laughs> two 30-point triple-doubles in back-to-back game with only three turnovers combined. I Nearly mean, this dude triple-doubles. Is... He only had nine assists on the Monday game. Okay, yeah. <laughs> This this is I mean Jokic is putting together like video game numbers right now like yeah it's it's crazy for a center to be doing what he's doing I mean it's just like the same cliche or like hyperbole repeated over week in and week out about this guy but it's all like in on in honesty it's it's true like it just seems unreal what he's doing but he's keeping this Denver Nuggets team afloat. Yeah, I mean, afloat, and they're going to start thriving pretty soon. I mean, based off of the numbers we were looking at earlier. And Jokic, he is the front runner for the MVP because he's been putting up performances like this all year. And I I can't even remember the last time we've seen a center do this before. I don't even know if there's ever been a center that's that's done what Nikola Jokic is doing right now. And yeah, it, I- it's, it's, a, it's beautiful to watch. I mean, it, his game is just... It's so, it's so like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. Like, it seems like he's just a lumbering, laboring guy, but everything he does, he does intentionally. And it's, it's perfectly thought out. Yeah. He plays the ultimate version of team basketball and fundamental basketball, fun basketball all in Mm -hmm. one. Obviously the athleticism is the one thing that's out, but it's almost like it, it's almost welcoming, I think, as an NBA fan because it's so different, right? It's not right. a guy dominating with his size or or with his speed or vertical leap. Like he's just a great decision maker, fantastic shooter, 
you know, obviously he's got great post moves. Like he is just a well-rounded basketball player in a seven footers, big body yeah. and doesn't look like he's in shape, but the dude is in fantastic shape. Obviously. Um, <laughs> I just really hope the Denver Nuggets can, the rest of his teammates can piece it together and get some wins. So this guy can lock in the MVP because I think that would probably be his, his biggest hindrance right now is that the, you know, mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets are in the, the bottom half of the playoff playoff position as opposed to up up in the upper half. Right, yeah, like how Embiid and, and the Sixers are number one in the East right now. I, I think if Denver can get into that top four, it's a no-brainer. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it is going to be pretty close, though. But, I mean, if he keeps putting up stupid numbers like this, it it's not going to be that close. Like, this two straight almost 30-point triple doubles on, on a Monday-Tuesday, you know? Like, just casual. Like, come on, man. This is unreal. Yeah, yeah, and I was gonna say, if has there ever been a big man close to that? I mean, I'd say like the closest thing that I could think of right now is like Shaq or or yeah, you know, but he didn't Young get Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah, but those guys did it in in a way different way, like a complete different side of the spectrum. Obviously, dominating with their physicality mm-hmm. and and controlling the boards, but not being the prime decision makers on their team the way Jokic is. I think what he's doing it's just never been seen yeah, before. Yeah, it's it's pretty transcendent, and that's that's what makes MVPs is just transcendent play. Exactly. Uh, next dude on the list, not quite Jokic, but Dennis Smith Jr., man. Like, when this trade happened, we were like, okay, Dennis Smith might be a little happy about this. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> triple-double tonight, 27 minutes, 10, 10 10 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, and three steals in the win against the Siakamless Raptors. Like, <laughs> sure, I mean, it's it's an inconsequential win for the worst team in the league right now. But <laughs> Dennis Smith, might this might be what he needs to trampoline his career back on track. Or Detroit Pistons are the second worst team in the league. Not the yeah, worst. don't forget the Timber Pups. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr., man. I am so happy to see this type of performance from him. He's actually been playing pretty well over the whole last week. And in that starting role for the Pistons, not having Derrick Rose anymore, obviously, and having a few injuries here and there. I think uh, DeLon Wright being hurt definitely opened the, opened the door for this guy to, to revitalize his career. And I'm really happy to see it because we saw a lot of potential from this guy on his rookie year. I think we talked about this a few podcasts ago, and I'm really happy to see him take advantage of this opportunity. I hope he continues to do it for the rest of the season because he does deserve to be a rotation guy on an NBA team somewhere um, and just give him the opportunity and he'll, he'll produce for you. Yeah. Agree. Same, same, same position here. Uh, different side, I guess, different career path. TJ McConnell, uh, just Whew. as average as you can get, but <laughs> the dude does his job. Eight for eight from the field, 16 points, 13 assists, 10 steals, triple double in a really needed win for the Pacers. Like this, again, we've already talked about them, but only three wins in the month of February, and they started off March with the loss, too. They really needed to see a W, and TJ McConnell fought for that for them. So, best performance of the week right there for him. I think this is going to take it out of all of these amazing performances that we've seen, even the Jokic ones, because it's Jokic, you know, this is yeah. TJ McConnell. This is TJ <laughs> McConnell. He shot perfect from the field. 10 steals, dude. Nine and one half. Are you kidding me? It's like the other team passed him the ball more than their own teammates. Right, exactly. And and to know, I forgot to note this, but yeah, the nine steals in the first half is an, breaks an NBA r- record. So TJ McConnell is a record holding player of the Unbelievable. NBA. Crazy Let's performance. Put him, <laughs> yeah. Put him on the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> worst so worst performances of the week though. We oh, you put this one down here, Sean. What's going on with the Sacramento Kings? Oh boy. This was such <laughs> this a down. sad game. So this was Sunday night. Kings versus Hornets. And this worst performance goes to the Kings just for their final one minute and nine seconds of this game. This is how I watched this whole thing go down. I was just (laughs) winding down, getting ready for the work week, whatever. Watch one last NBA game. Kings looked like they got it in the bag, right? Like Buddy Heald's going off. Harrison Barnes is going off. The Hornets are kind of struggling. This is the PJ Washington game, by the way, where he had a best performance of the week. Um, So the Kings are up with 109 left in the game by 8 123 115 
They just got a flagrant foul assessed on the Hornets, so De'Aaron Fox is going to the line for two free throws, and they're getting the ball back. So the game's basically over. Yeah, right? that's money in the bag. Right? <laughs> Fox goes on to miss both free throws, and then Rogier rushes back to the other side and nails a three-point shot. So now it's a five-point game. The Hornets foul them again. This time, it's, I believe, Marvin Bagley who misses both free throws again. And then on the other <laughs> side, they rush the ball back. Rogier gets fouled on the three-point line, and he makes all three Yikes. free throws. The Rogier had two points in this game up until this point, and now he's gotten <laughs> six in the last, like, 20 seconds. And so, okay, they're only down two now. They ended up making a layup on the next play, but Buddy Heald sprains his ankle, like, <laughs> away from the ball. They're up four again, but now Heald's injured. P.J. Washington hits a clutch three from the top of the key. Now they're only down one. They keep Buddy Heald in the game, and he gets fouled. And I think there's like, I don't know, 10 seconds left in the game at this point. Heald gets fouled. He's an 85% free throw shooter. He only makes one of two. So it's only a two-point game. And Malik Monk, of all people on this team, not LaMelo Ball, not P.J. Washington, who's having a hot night. Malik Monk just driving all over the court he gets an and one and Rashawn Holmes fouls him as he makes the layup and then they go up one and then they win the game oh yikes <laughs> so the Kings essentially did they just go one for one for six from they the went free throw one line? for six from the free throw line in the final minute and nine seconds and they allowed the Hornets to score 11 points Yikes. I had no idea this happened. I did not watch this game, Kings and Hornets, on a Sunday night. <laughs> it was beautiful. It, it was just so hilarious. I, I cannot tell you. And, and the Hornets, man, they earned this victory. They fought till literally the very end. They earned that. Yeah, I mean, you always see the foul game being played in the NBA. And I think every time I watch these games, I get like my parents or, you know, people, someone that casually watches games are like, why do they still foul? Like, this game is obviously <laughs> over. This is a prime case study of when <laughs> it's still worth it because you can still come back. Uh, this might be the winner here, Sean. I think everybody else is just an honorable <laughs> yeah. mention. It, yeah, they are. Uh, we'll mention them, but yeah, that that final minute was was some of the that was one of the biggest meltdowns i've ever seen happen for a team it was hilarious it was on their home court too which One i mean doesn't six. matter there's no stands or no fans but still yeah i mean De'Aaron fox is a decent free throw shooter yeah. buddy heels is a great free throw shooter i don't know what marvin bagley's free He's throw percentage crap. is but it can't be like deandre jordan horror yeah. horrors or uh that's rough that is oh, rough. man um yeah, Next. it was just crazy, dude. Crazy. <laughs> now the next one's just kind of might be a little bit boring, but we'll know, go through yeah. them. But, <laughs> but Miami Heat mustering only 80 points against the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, rough one for the Miami Heat as a whole. When, again, no Jimmy Butler. This is a team that's been fighting injuries. But in this day and air, age of the NBA where teams are throwing down 120 easily night in and night out it's only put together 80 points is rough that's really rough and it's like even without jimmy butler it's like this is the hawks mm -hmm. like this is trey young like you're telling me you can't put up 80 points on trey young like that is crazy this looks like what normally the hawks look like after three quarters yeah. like this, this final ended up being um, I don't know if that completely has to do with Nate McMillan taking over as the head coach after after Lloyd Pierce got fired earlier this week. Maybe that's the reason, but I, I just struggle to believe that they'd shoot 37% from the field, 27% from three, just because of a head coaching change on the other end. <laughs> this is the Atlanta Hawks who shot like this? Or the Miami that's Heat? That's the Miami Heat who shot the yeah, 37% from the field, 27 from three. I don't think Nate McMillan being on the other end as the new head coach of the Hawks was the whole reason that they only scored 80. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just a rough night for the Miami Heat, but 68% also from the free throw line. Wow, rough. Oof. Yeah, but uh, here's another one. Uh, talking about oh, the Houston hurts. Rockets, 11 <laughs> in a row. Deep. This really hurt. This was the difference maker in my fantasy matchup in the week. John Wall going four for 16, 14 points, and just zero of anything across the board <laughs> five turnovers a plus minus of negative 33 against the memphis grizzlies 
You know, the Memphis Grizzlies, they're not the best team, but they're also not the worst team. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, the Houston Rockets have just been on such a rough tear, and the whole entire team could have easily made this list as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody shot the ball well, but John Wall for 4 for 16, just rough, rough <laughs> night. Yeah, this was probably one of his worst games ever. I mean, he had zero rebounds, zero assists, only had meager amount of points. To, to speak for on his name we might have to go deep into the game logs to find exactly what if there was a worse nba game that john wallace played outside <laughs> he, of this now i bet not yeah i mean even as a rookie he was a great player so i i bet that was his worst game ever right there grizzlies <laughs> yeah, just shut course. him down john moran just shut him down yeah, exactly. And it happened on the night that I needed him the most. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even need that much. <laughs> I just needed a below average game. Instead, I got the worst game <laughs> from John Wall. <laughs> ah, the cookie crumbles are, are rough sometimes, huh? <laughs> rough, rough, rough. Anyways, final thoughts here to close the, the podcast up. I'm sure, Sean, you watched mm. the TNT uh, you know, pregame halftime show inside the NBA. Obviously, the, now they've been experimenting. They got rid of players only, thank God. Thank God. And, <laughs> and now they've been shuffling the lineups here with Candace Parker and Dwayne Wade joining the, the booth with, with Shaq, or the table, I should say. And honestly, I, I've enjoyed it. And some something went down this week, though, that went, that went viral, and it was Candace Parker just laying it to Shaq and lecturing him maybe not lecturing him, but there was a back and forth in terms of like talking about pick and roll coverage and why it's so hard to switch in today's NBA and Shaq, you know, being Shaq (laughs) uh, said, you just need a man up and and close in on the shooters and close in on the guys and stop switching, switching so much. Obviously it's so much more nuanced than that. But I think the, the interesting point from that exchange was, was just the fact that I think we've talked about this a lot on the podcast is, is like these guys are really funny and you know obviously they're great personalities and I really love watching mm-hmm. them but every now and then the whole old school is better than new school <laughs> basketball gets so annoying yep, and grumpy so, old men <laughs> yeah it's, and it comes from guys like Shaq and Charles Barkley and Kevin McHale and it gets so old and so bothersome like and I think Ricky O'Donnell here of SB Nation said it best uh, mm-hmm. in his description of that moment. He, he said, as an analyst, O'Neal seems less interested in celebrating what makes the NBA so great today and more interested in protecting his own legacy. Today's players don't impress Shaq because they are not Shaq. <laughs> Beyond just failing to appreciate the current generation of stars, O'Neal also doesn't seem really, doesn't really seem to understand how and why the game is played differently right now than it was during his heyday. Uh, a really big cut <laughs> yeah those are some fighting words right there <laughs> yeah exactly but i can't help but feel the same way especially after watching that exchange i don't know maybe i don't agree with the whole thing that o'neill doesn't understand how and why the game is played i think he's a smart guy but uh, but i just wanted to close and say that uh, you know I, I i am a fan of candace parker and Dwayne wade i hope they bring him onto the, the table more but i'm also a fan of Shaq. but i just wish there would be a less of this uh, old school is better than the new school uh, yeah. frame of thought. Yeah, and you, you see that with Charles Barkley too, right? Like, I mean, the, 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 both those guys kind of play off each other that way. And obviously, you had that spat with Donovan Mitchell earlier in the year where he's just like, I just don't think you can be a superstar. And it's like, man, this guy's in like, what, his fourth year in the league and he's already like playing this well. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. So that that was kind of I think for me the start of like what we're seeing as the downfall of kind of like the O'Neill Barkley analyst um, mm-hmm. in the in the mind of the public and in the mind of the rest of the media um, and yeah I think having like you said people like Candace Parker and Dwayne Wade there to kind of be that more new wave analyst uh, and that that are also have been great players in their own respective leagues um, that that's gonna help things out and I, ho- I hope that kind of balances out that that grumpy <laughs> type of uh, attitude that we're getting from Shaq here and there yeah exactly I think uh I think point made there yeah we love you Shaq but man just cool it on the new school versus old school thing <laughs> yeah just be cool <laughs> yeah, we, we exactly. love you man we love you you're not losing anything on your own legacy man you're, you're always yeah. gonna be awesome for us yeah exactly well thanks everybody for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and continue to check us out week in and week out thanks everybody
Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.